Yo. Hey, welcome Hello. to the new meta, episode 33. Yeah, yeah. We got Lord Fluffy, myself, the P-Child, and a special guest, the man sitting between us. The Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather <laughs> of my streaming career, David Brevik, yeah, yeah. is in the house. Hello. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, my pleasure. I, I can't believe you agreed to this. It blew my mind. So thank you so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, for anyone yeah. in the stream that doesn't know who David Brevik is, obviously one of the uh, creators of Diablo itself. Um, also kind of the mastermind behind uh, Hell, Hellgate London, which he might not take credit for, but it kind of spawns like all the uh, PVE FPS that we kind of see today that are really, really popular. Um, which is really cool. And of course, uh, Marvel Heroes, uh, which is a big yep. one. Uh, but yeah, long time Diablo guy. Even even a little yes. work on Path of Exiles. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah, it's true. Very so. cool. Very cool. Um, man, let's let's just get rolling. So we had a poll last week and let's you wanna do this first? Mm, we can wait we'll talk next week on let's the poll. Save, it. save the poll for next week. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um but yeah, let's just You've go. You want to go ahead? Let's just go straight okay. to the questions because I don't know how much time we're going to have. Sure. Uh, we we Fluff and I did a lot of research and we wanted to yeah. uh, not ask the same questions that you've sure. been asked in every single interview you've ever yeah. done because people can go out and find those and watch those. All right, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> so you you mentioned Apple style releases in the past oh. and how Blizzard should handle titles and um, could you could you like shed some light on why you think it's the right model for Blizzard and companies? Um, well, traditionally, a long time ago, it would be we, we'd have to generate a lot of buzz to to garner an audience when you're re releasing a title, whatever it was. Communication was kind of poor. Uh, you Basically, it was all about magazines and getting on the cover of a magazine so that you mm -hmm. could get into a bookstore or somebody could see it on a shelf at a, whatever, wherever you're buying magazines, the grocery store or whatever. And, uh, and so it was really important to get all that presence out there. And th it took a long time to kind of build that up, right? It, it was uh, yeah. getting that word out there took a year to really kind of be able to make it work um since then times have changed sure. <laughs> yeah. quite a bit and uh and so but i still feel like in a lot of ways video game companies are doing the marketing the same way that they used to uh and and i don't really know how good that is i'm not really convinced that it's a good thing at all mm. um I mean, everybody can guess. We don't know for a fact, but everybody's pretty sure that they're making a Diablo 4. Diablo 3 made a lot of money. Why wouldn't they make a Diablo 4? Right. It seems like that would be that would. So everybody's in knows that this title kind of exists or is going to exist someday. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody's excited for it to be announced. But there is no advantage to them announcing it, in my opinion unless it's like two months or three months from release. Hmm. And the reason is, is because as soon as you announce it, the hype goes through the roof. Sure. Yeah. And in a lot of ways you want to capture that hype, right? You want to, you, you get one stab when there are now, let's say on steam, 40 games a day 
and uh, and there are all these products kind of every day. There are hundreds of iPhone games. There are just like so many games. There's so much content out there that to really make any kind of buzz or any kind of excitement, you got to you got to kind of hit it hard. You got to make it like really sticky. And that's one of the things they do at Apple. It's like we've announced the new iPhone. Everybody knows that there's going to be a new iPhone. Yeah. And then yeah. they announce it and people are hyped. And then in six weeks, they have it in their hands kind of thing or even shorter three weeks or something like that right so it's it's this kind of like build the hype up announce it and then they get the product right away i think is really the way to kind of go about marketing these days much more than because if you start to make noise and it takes a year or two years then you get nothing but disgruntled gamers right because they have to they have to piece out their information over a period of a year or two years or whatever. And they got to, Oh, we're going to make this little piece of content or about this little minor aspect of the game. And hopefully we'll get a little press about it here. And then a little bit here and you get like kind of this drawn out buzz. And then people start going, what's wrong? What's, you know, why is it taking so long? And, and then they start debating some of the decisions that they're making and tell us more about these things. And anyway, it, in a lot of ways, it just creates a giant headache for the company, and it just makes much more sense to hit it hard, right? Oh, here's the announcement. You can play in six weeks, and and everybody's just super excited about that. that. That's a win for everybody. There isn't a bunch of time for a bunch of people to, like, overhype themselves, and it, you know, then they can play very quickly. So, in my opinion, I think that I would, if I were Blizzard, I wouldn't announce the product or Diablo 4 if there is a Diablo 4, I don't have any inside information, but if there was a Diablo 4, which we can all imagine, I wouldn't announce it until like it's almost ready. Do you think so? That- what if, go ahead. Yeah. So my, the follow up that I had is, is that just kind of totally makes me go back to the Diablo Immortal announcement. And my thought process was if it would have been received so much better had they given us a D4 symbol or anything like, hey, we're working on Diablo 4 while we do this, here's Diablo Immortal to hold you over. And that was kind of my mentality when I saw that, like, man, if they would have fed us anything else, I think we would have received that product a lot better. So do you, but I understand what you're saying about the Apple style releases and it makes sense. So how do you think, how do you feel about doing something like that? Still a bad idea? Uh, well, the Diablo, the Diablo Immortal announcement is its own kind of ball of wax, but the, uh, (laughs) you know, I think that, uh, Part of the problem, I think that they did a couple things poorly uh, in that they built up the hype for an announcement, for a Diablo announcement. And then the Diablo people are really excited because they're hardcore Diablo people Mm -hmm. and they're spending all sorts of money and they're flying out all over the country to go get this Diablo announcement. Oh, here comes Diablo 4. Everybody's real excited about it. Bam, this is going to be awesome. And then they get there and it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. This wasn't what we were expecting. This isn't what kind of we were quote unquote promised, but not really promised. They didn't promise anything, but it was like everybody expected one thing. And so Blizzard Mm -hmm. did a really bad job with managing people's expectations. They made a, a bad job of like announcing something to a hardcore PC crowd, what wasn't what they were expecting. Uh, you know, that they didn't really, if they had announced Diablo Immortal, the way that they announced Diablo Switch with some cute little thing and a couple pictures on the internet, it wouldn't, nobody yeah. would care. Like it would have, it would have yeah. like, oh, okay, Diablo Immortal, all right, whatever, you know, that, that's it. That it, we'll wait and see a little bit more. But because everybody's expectations were one way and they got something different, it just, 
you know, it was a, it was a kind of a disaster. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I think that, yeah, you know, it, it goes, it goes in the, you know, that their PR I think is, is in their messaging. We don't know anything about Diablo Immortal. Diablo Immortal could end up being the greatest phone game of all time. Sure. And then everybody will look really, you know, kind of yeah. angry. Like, wow, this is the greatest game of all time. I didn't know that this was going to be like this. We just don't know any information. Yeah. We don't know anything about the business model. We don't know anything about the content. We just we don't know anything. And so I'm waiting to reserve judgment on the game before I, you know, Absolutely. before I yeah. say it's, you know, crap or, you know, Blizzard did something that we didn't expect. I mean, Blizzard has a history and a policy in general of being generous gamers right generous and so i can't imagine they're making a diablo immortal you know cash grab <laughs> that doesn't mean it goes it flies in the face of their entire history so i you know i i kind of reject that notion in in general mm -hmm. but again the announcement was bad you know will the product be good who knows let's wait and then uh and but you know i think that if they had announced it in a different way under different circumstances and also were allowed to play it, then that'd be great. One of the announcements that was really great a few years ago was that Bethesda announced where they're like, oh, we're going to make this little mobile thing yeah, and you can play it right after this. Like it's in the store. You know, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and that got it. That got a lot of buzz and a lot of downloads because people were just like, oh, okay, well, this will tide me over for a sure. little while and that's kind of fun. If they would have done that that way, I think it would have been more accepted. Sure. So, you know, I think that there are a bunch of mistakes, but, uh, you know, we all make mistakes and it, hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's easy to second guess. <laughs> yeah. So going back to that kind of Apple paradigm, do you think that same paradigm works in, so let's just take the Apple paradigm. So the iPhone 9 comes out, right? right? And a year down the road, there's been no patch for the iPhone 9, like there's critical bugs with the iPhone 9. <laughs> they're not saying that they're working on the iPhone 10 at all. Do you think that like that, that still holds up because you know, you're kind of just leaving everyone in the, in the total darkness. Like you just, it's tricky. the thing is that Diablo, I mean, Diablo in general, it's going to sell yeah. great when it comes out, right? They don't need to, they don't need to build more hype for it. Uh, they need to, I, I, you know, again, there, what is the advantage to them to talking to the community? I, I would, is there a business yeah. advantage? No, no. Business. I claim no, that the, oh, everybody will buy Diablo four, regardless of how much time and effort they put into the community, uh, you know, in between. Okay. And so, uh, you know, then they just get themselves in trouble and they're, you know, quote unquote, waste time with the community. They're, they could be doing development stuff instead of, you know, managing the community's expectations 24 seven and, you know, managing the community's expectations. Well, they've already kind of proven that they did kind of a bad job of that. So they, <laughs> you know, I think, like, uh, you know, I don't think it's in the, it behooves them to talk about it at all. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. yes, it keeps everybody in the dark, but the, it's not like the gamers have a right to know or anything like that. They don't have, <laughs> they're going to announce it when they announce it and, uh, and, you know, we'll be excited when it happens. Do you think that, do you like the model where some games will come out and be like, okay, hey, we're developing this. Uh, and then, you know, a year down the road, they either just run out of money or it just doesn't look good. People don't like it. And then it fails and, you know, the community ultimately knows that it fails. Is, is there really anything wrong with that? Or do you think that 
You mean early access kind of stuff? Yeah, kind of, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally doing early access for my my game right now, and I've really enjoyed the process. Now, I've been part of early access things that have gone south. (laughs) I've been part of early access things that have worked well. And so it's just hit or miss. Like, there's not much you can do. You just have to trust or believe in the developer. And if the developer, you know, has a history of doing some decent things, like the idea of, hey, we've got a we've got a sketch and a you know a thousand word document. We're going to make this game that you know that's a much more dangerous prospect than somebody that you can play the game and prove that it, you know I can try it out and et cetera et cetera. I know kind of where this is going. That's it's much different. And then you kind of look at the history of how often they're updating it and how how open they are about the uh, about the the product. I think that in general, for me, it's been a great process, but it isn't for everybody. Part of the problem is like in a big company like Blizzard, if they are going to do a early access for Diablo 4, I think that that might be a problem. I mean, it could be great. It could be a problem. It's just hard to know. But they can run in their own little private closed beta and get good feedback from a couple hundred people and not have it for sale where they got millions of people and are really supporting a live game without it being finished. Right on. Yeah, I get that. Um, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. That's all. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, what you know were some of your inspirations, I guess, uh, growing up as yeah. that may have led you yeah. to Diablo? Uh, well, uh, a lot of games. Let's see. Uh, the first, uh, I, I'd say, like Wizardry and uh, Ultima were the first games that really kind of captured, I guess maybe Adventure on the 2600 was oh, probably yeah. one of the very first uh, <laughs> games that really captured my spirit. Very first video game I ever played was Pong. I had a Pong machine in uh, whatever, 1974 or something like that. And uh, and that was the very first video game I ever played. And then slightly after that was Space Invaders. And, uh, and there was a sandwich shop near us that got a machine and uh and uh i fell in love with video games from that point on and then we had atari 2600 and and all this and i then i got an apple II plus and uh and uh learned to program and and etc so there was a lot of influence during that early time with uh different games and stuff but then as i got older i always wanted to make uh role-playing games have always been my favorite i was a big D fan i did a, i still do a lot of pencil and paper gaming as well as board gaming and uh in fact last night for new year's eve we played board games all night so the uh, nice. the, uh awesome. you know so uh uh i've always really been into role-playing games and as i played more and more all through the 80s as you know a lot of for everything from might and magic bard's tale like uh all of these great games um uh i kind of decided that this is really what i want to do with my life and it was an article that was in believe it or not the national Enquirer of all things uh where uh, richard garriott uh said that he made like a hundred thousand dollars off of ultima one uh <laughs> making ultima one i was like oh my god which was like a lot of money, right? Whatever, yeah, yeah. 1992 or whatever it was, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I'm reading this and I'm realizing, oh my god, I could do this for a living. And so that was a big influence on me. Was uh, 
is, hey, someday I could actually make money, you know, making video games. Uh, it never really even dawned on me before that that it was a business. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so that was big influence. And then when I was in college, I started playing a lot of uh, uh, mud, MUDs and uh, as well as uh, roguelike games. I mean, I was, I was actually playing rogue where the term roguelike comes from right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, a lot of you know games that are on the unix uh machines that have uh uh you know you were like the letter a and you're attacking you know the letter k kind of right. thing <laughs> but it was yeah, like I mean, randomly generated dungeons and random items and all that stuff which is a big influence on diablo sure. so those, those titles were like angban moria rogue net hack those things were a huge influence on on diablo so you mentioned that dynamic map generation. Um, how do you feel about Diablo Immortal? Pretty much confirmed not to have that at all. Yeah, I don't know. I it's uh, again, we'll wait and see. But the uh, but uh, I think that it might be just different with a phone game. Sure. You know, I, I don't know how. Uh, you know, there are. It, it depends on the structure, right? Because there are phone games. Like I play a lot of phone games, and there are phone games where you just can repeat the same level over and over again for energy, basically. And uh, and mm -hmm. uh, so you don't want to play it over and over randomly. You want it to like simulate over and over mm -hmm. randomly, right? Because it's like this grindy kind of uh, game. So. Uh, it depends on the structure. If it's something like that, where it's kind of grindy and then it's like, well, I, I just want to simulate. I don't want to, it doesn't matter to me that it's not random. Uh, but if it's, I'm playing the game all the time and I'm running around maps and the maps the same over and over again, I'd find that pretty repetitive. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. You, uh, you talked a little bit about your, your college and inspirations and stuff. When you were decided to make this a career, did you get flack from your parents or peers or friends? Because <laughs> that's something uh, that I personally get still to this day. And it's it's interesting that it's so negatively looked upon, I think. Uh, yeah, well, I think that part of the problem is that I got recruited by intel <laughs> and uh and my parent my dad's like you gotta go take that job like, no dad i'm gonna go make video games uh and he's like you got you know your degree in computer science what the hell are you doing and uh you know you got to be a responsible adult at this point and uh but you know i I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And it, it was like, Hey, this is an opportunity. If it goes South and it doesn't work out, you know, maybe I've spent a couple of years tiddling around with something that didn't work out, but you know, I want to give it a shot. And if yeah. there's any time in my life to do it, it's now when I don't have the responsibilities of a family or anything like that right now. And, uh, and so that was, um, they agreed that, you know, obviously they wanted me to be happy, but, uh, there was a lot of resistance, let's say, <laughs> like that I had a really great career job lined up for me. And I said no to. And then I went to work for this little company that uh, called FM Waves, where I was making a game on the Atari Lynx. And that was there like, I don't know, maybe three months. My paycheck started bouncing. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. What have I gotten myself into? My dad was right. Was <laughs> you had to tell him, Dad, my paycheck bounced. Yeah. Uh, can, you know, I don't know. Uh, anyway, do. so uh, yeah. in the end, though, you know, obviously it's worked out just fine. But the, uh, but uh, it was a little bit sketchy at the beginning. Right. That's awesome. 
Uh, so just oh, randomly man. in another interview, uh, you kind of mentioned, you know, I put in quotes, I like skill trees. Um, yeah. When do you think, like, I feel like there's a balance, right? So Diablo, you can change rooms, you just go back to town and bing, bang, boom, change your build, no big deal. Uh, even allows you to like save your builds now using the armory. Um, and then you have builds like PUE, where it has like this, blah, you know, of <laughs> skills are just like, but you know, the choices become less meaningful, like 1% block chance and stuff like that. So, I mean, can you elaborate more on, you know, why you like skill trees and what do you think that balance is? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of tough. I like skill trees in general, uh, just because I like people to make decisions. I like people, you know, the ability for them to make choices and customize their characters. That's always been something that's been important to me in, in making any kind of, uh, role-playing game decisions on builds and things like that are, are, uh, you know, what makes, makes the game intriguing, um, to me. So, Skill trees was really the invention of uh, uh, we had in originally in Diablo one we had it that you know anybody could learn any skill and that was one of the one of our th- sticks that was one of the things that we wanted uh, as a concept but we found that people could make some really bad characters <laughs> this way and like uh, use skills that they weren't as supposed to be using necessarily. I mean, they could use them, but it wasn't really like wise to use those right. skills, these different classes and stuff. So we wanted to kind of change it for Diablo two. And when we, um, it was the skill trees was, I've been playing a lot of master of Orion and, uh, and, uh, that was a big influence on me and coming up with the idea for the skill trees. I, it was one of my shower ideas. I would always come in and say, <laughs> I was thinking about this in the shower this morning and it inevitably met somebody had like two weeks worth of work or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> It was, it was it, my it, like no, no god Dave don't talk about your shower ideas <laughs> yeah that's just more work for me sure. the um so anyway uh, so I liked the idea of this you get to make choices on how you build your character that was kind of the it was like a tech tree basically from uh, from you know any kind of these uh, kind of strategy games and uh, and so we kind of worked on it and iterated on it uh, quite a bit. And, uh, and I like where it ended up and I like the, the balance between complexity and choice. So I, I, I'm not really, I don't really like the idea of you get to choose and switch your build around willy nilly without any kind of ramifications. I'm not really into skill point resets and things like that. Uh, I like that making choices has meaning. Uh, and so, and I also like that you can't get everything. I like both of those kind of aspects. And so you have to make choices and the choices have meaning. Now, when the choices don't have meaning or there are too many choices, then I feel like it's just overwhelming. Now that's path of exiles. That's their kind of, that's what makes them different from everybody else. It's like, that's our, one of our features, core features is look at how crazy this skill tree is. And, uh, and so that, you know, that's, that's kind of what their little thing that sticks out for them. Uh, so, you know, I think that it, it depends on your own design philosophies. Mine has always been lots of complexity, but not through lots of choices. Instead, make choices limited and complexity deep in that choice. 
how do you feel about like the difficulty of maybe being able to respec? And I know that's you know something Diablo two you just you kind of started over and PUE is kind of the same way. You can spend a lot of currency and kind of revamp, but yeah, in general, I don't like resets at all. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, making, I mean, it's okay if it were, if it's difficult, I would guess, but if it's something where I can just do it anytime, uh, it takes away any kind of meaning yeah. to your choice. I agree. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. Um, that too. Yeah. So moving on, um, and, in Hellfire, before Hellfire, I know Hellfire, you know, wasn't like the greatest thing in your eyes. <laughs> um, but you wanted to, you said that in another interview, you wanted to kind of move on to Diablo 2 because Diablo 1 had become kind of this rampant cheat um, right. fest. Um, and, but, you know, looking back now, you know, Diablo 2 had a lot of that as well. Did you foresee any of that happening um, while you guys were developing Diablo 2? Uh, well, we knew that certain things were possible, uh, but largely the, a lot of the cheating that was so rampant in Diablo 1 wasn't possible in Diablo 2. Right. And so uh, that helped a lot. Now, they got away or, or around things, and they found ways to, like, uh, to, to, to make cheats, if you want to call them cheats or whatever. I mean, questionable whether or not a bot is a cheater or not i mean i guess it is a cheat if, if it's competitive but it's uh if it's not competitive i don't really know how much of a cheat it is but the uh uh so i think that uh you know cheating what people consider cheating and not cheating is kind of changed there were ways to like dupe items and stuff like that and those were all just bugs in the code and the way that we kind of created the code uh uh and we found there were loopholes of the way that we did things a lot of times like this was because this is our first time that we ever did client server. We didn't understand some of the things like destroying items and creating new ones and stuff like that is always super risky. It's much better to, to keep items around and be able to trace them and have like all of these kind of like unique identifiers and stuff like that stuff that we learned through the process of, of making the game. But uh, now, you know, that we have that knowledge, it's a lot easier to, to prevent those things. So it was kind of on the, on the edge, the forefront of client server stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and Mm -hmm. so that was, uh, you know, there were a lot of hard lessons at the beginning, but in general, you couldn't do the kind of cheating where you could just level up automatically and give yourself the best items and all the kind of things that were possible in Diablo one, you couldn't do with Diablo two, at least online. And, uh, and so it solved a lot of the problems, even though it did have cheating. Yeah. What's your what are your thoughts on the rampant botting within Diablo 3's community? Like Yeah, I think it's a big problem, but I think that it's an impossible thing to solve largely. Uh it is super difficult to kind of keep up with the anytime you can think of a rule for, you know, is this a bot or not a bot, they can break the rule. So you're just like it's this constant fight about you know, oh, we believe that they're botting, but we can't prove they're botting. Could it could it be a person there? If a person's there and they're they're botting, but they press spacebar every now and then, and they're just like watching the screen, is that is that really cheating? I don't, yeah. I don't you know. And so, yeah. you know, and if it's a team of people, you know, that so it's it's tough to uh, it's tough to say it's tough to come up with rules, right? And mm. you can't make it so restrictive that people can't play the game. And then as you ease those restrictions, they can just fit any kind of bot in the, inside there. So that uh, it's an impossible thing to solve. And you can just try your best at 
coming up with some clever ways to to catch them but largely they're going to get around those things pretty quickly and so it's i think an impossible thing to solve so you think it's just a losing battle with online games yeah. in general yeah yep that's so disheartening here but yes <laughs> probably true um, it's just like any kind of like virus like doing an antivirus software yeah like you know it, it's a losing battle people can just come up with new ideas and new viruses and new ways and it's it, since software is constantly changing there's constantly new loopholes and things like that so it's uh it's very difficult it's just almost an impossible fight to to have yeah and so it kind of leads into the next question um where so you can bot in obviously diablo 3 and it's not it doesn't really affect like the economy and how uh, most players play the game but it affects everyone's ability to like kind of push the leaderboard so it affects yeah. the comp- com- competitive aspect of the game whereas in poe right. you know people buy and they can sell currency and then you know pretty much every item is purchasable in path of exile right. so uh, and you mentioned in another interview uh there's a fine line between what's called an auction house game <laughs> and uh you know something like diablo where it's all smart loot um where do you think where would you like to be in in that realm between you know 100 percent time on the auction house do you think it should be like time like a percentage of your time or do you think stuff should be soul bound like what, what are your thoughts on uh my general philosophy is the easier it is to trade items the more you need soul bound stuff uh and or and or things that you just can't trade or sell uh in some way so uh there are a million ways to solve soul binding and you can do oh you know you can soul bind it three times or something like that you know the, right. there's like lots of variations and ways that you can wiggle around that but you have to take items out of the economy and if there is no way to take items out of the economy uh then you know everybody's going to have the best stuff right that and that's the problem with the auction house is that then you're just surfing the auction house for the best gear rather than playing the game and what's the point of the game right so uh if you can buy everything then then you're in trouble so you have to reserve some of the equipment to be earnable in the game it's okay to have some stuff that you can sell and trade and whatever that it's a vibrant community uh but Again, the easier it is to trade something, the more and more you need that. If it's kind of a pain in the butt, like it is in Diablo 2, it was kind of a pain to actually, like, how am I going to spam in the chat here to all 20 people or whatever (laughs) in this chat room that uh, I've got this weirdo object for sale or whatever, and hopefully somebody stops by that likes it. And then we have to get in a game together, and who knows who's scamming who, and everybody's nervous, and, you know, and that's like, like it was yeah. like it was a real kind of it was a difficult way to so it didn't really matter that much because the way that you were communicating and transferring items was very difficult and questionable and uh, and so uh, when you do something like nothing is soul bound and everybody can sell everything and everybody can just go to a window instantly and look at everything in the game then you've ruined your game, right? It's because if the point of the game is finding loot and progressing and you can just purchase that, then what's the whole point of the game? So that's, uh, uh, that doesn't, that, you know, I think that that path of exile has kind of reached this point where they put in all these kind of like little features and it's become easier and easier to, to kind of trade stuff and find stuff. And now they're at a point where it's, it's, pretty much everywhere and in, in a lot of ways it almost doesn't make sense that it isn't just straight in the game because it's, <laughs> it's right. it, they just have like an auction house where you go to so my my idea has been always that our 
action RPGs should have the same kind of auction house that they do in World of Warcraft. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where you can go to the World of Warcraft auction house, and there are a couple cool items that you can buy that mm-hmm. are upgrades on the la- you know yep. from the latest coolest content or whatever. And oh, you can get a couple of things, but really to get most of it, you have to go to this new content area and get some of the equipment, do the fights and that kind of stuff. Uh, but you can get a good jump start on your character by other things, you know. So I think that that if they that if they had a similar kind of system in Diablo or whatever that uh, that, but again. It comes down to World of Warcraft has soulbound items, and then the reason that it works is because some of the stuff is for sale, but not everything, and other things you have to actually be able to find and pick up and put on yourself. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That that leads me into a little bit of of Diablo three discussion. But my, I have a question: um, How do you feel about Diablo three in general? Like, I, I don't know how to phrase it right, but what's your thoughts on Diablo? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Diablo 3, I think is, I, I think Diablo three turned into a really good game that, uh, that a lot of people enjoy a lot. Uh, and so I, you know, it's done the Diablo name proud after kind of a bunch of work. When it first came out, it was not super well received. They made some pretty bad decisions from the design standpoints, uh, you know, the real money auction house and some stuff like that were, you know, not received well and uh and so after the expansion and things like that and after tinkering with it and doing adding some of the features that they add added to the game it became much deeper game and much more meaningful the choices were more meaningful not completely but then it kind of worked out a little bit of the kinks with the uh the uh the the item game and stuff like that and it became a much more interesting game uh, later on. So it took them a few years to get there, but I think that in the end they made something that that does the Diablo name proud. Do you have any thoughts on what it would take to reinvigorate Diablo to to make it shine again? Do you think it can, or do you think it's past its window? Do you mean Diablo three, or do you mean Diablo yeah. in general? Uh, three specifically, but I could uh, go in general if yeah, you want to do general too. <laughs> I could do general. Uh, Diablo, I think that Diablo three. I don't think there's much. I mean, I don't think. I don't know what gamers really expect. Uh, there's plenty of content and plenty of things to do, and they have the new ladders and things like that, new seasons. So that's that's uh, you know I think that that's all that really. It can be expected from a game that's as old as it is now, sure. and mm-hmm. uh, and has been popular for such a long time. And really, they should be focused on doing the next thing, which is just what I would guess that they are doing. Uh, yeah. There is no real way to revitalize unless they came out with an expansion or something like that. But again, why would they do that? It, the problem is, from a business standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to spend their time and effort on another expansion. Uh, even if the expansion sold well, it's not going to sell as well as the Diablo four. Sure. And, uh, and so, you know, expansions tend to sell less and less with each next expansion. So like the, the main game sells the most, then the first expansion sells the next most, the second expansion sure. sells the next most, and it keeps going down. And not only that, but they just can't even make it. They don't sell expansions as much as they sell a box product. So in a lot of ways, if they're going to go to a lot of effort, they should be focused on something now uh, and, uh, and go from there. As for Diablo in general, what, it, what is it to take to revitalize it? I think that Diablo, you know, the new Diablo is going to have to have some kind of differences in 
gameplay, you know, and I, I'm a big believer in the direction I was trying to take action RPGs. And I still would like to see more of is making them more of a, a massive multiplayer kind of uh, experience, which is way that Marvel heroes was where you got, you're playing with everybody online in the same world. So you can run around a zone and you've got like, 10 total strangers in there and they're going around doing their thing and you're doing your thing you can get together and there's raids and 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 stuff like that and i'd like to see more of that kind of like multiplayer big environment kind of uh interaction with you know making it feel like a real place where people are running around working together cooperating and and having fun killing things together for sure. I agree. I'd love to see, like, with the latest and greatest tech, like, what they can do with, like, a random d- dungeon generation, like, with in this day and age. That'd be such yeah. an interesting thing that, or interesting lane to go down. Um, Absolutely. But while we're on the subject of, of, of you know, tech and programming, um, one, I, I'm also a programmer. And one of the things I'm generally curious about, because it's something I've, I've always struggled with, dealing with bureaucracy. And, as a programmer, um, I know you've been a you know, programmer, you've been CEO, you've been absolutely everything you possibly be in a company. Um, so how, how, A, do you deal with that? And maybe B, do you have any kind of stories uh, about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have, I have lots of stories. The, uh, um, you know, bureaucracy in a, in a company is just that that's just the way life is sure. uh, the the bigger a company gets the more there is you know what it's hard to believe i mean i'm in a company where i'm doing everything by myself right. and i still argue with myself so i don't know <laughs> myself i guess the uh 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 but i think that um you know bureaucracy it depends it feels like there's got to be a balance uh, especially in a in industry where you're doing something creative i feel like everybody feels and should deserve the opportunity to, to be heard and be able to be creative on a project and uh and so a lot of times i think that bureaucracy feels this way when we aren't getting our our way or we have to like fight for something that we want or whatever and uh and I think that that just comes with bigger and bigger companies. Um, and so you go into a situation like, uh, I can't even imagine what it's like at Blizzard right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blizzard is a world famous, probably the most famous developer in the world. And as a uh, you know programmer or game maker in the video game industry, what would be one of your ultimate dreams was to be, I, can I make my own dream game at Blizzard? Right, that would be the ultimate. Sure, <laughs> the Blizzard backed my dream game kind of thing, right? Yep. And so, as a as a game designer, a, a newbie starting out, you want to make your career, so you're gonna fight for your ideas to prove that you have it, that you can be the best, that you are, you know, going to be a legendary game designer, and all of these kind of things, and so. Every single day, you are fighting to further your career with everybody else that's doing the same thing. And so, uh, you know, when the company is that big and that powerful, it's going to be nothing but bureaucracy. And so it's amazing to me that they get almost anything done. I think that eventually that, that, uh, you know, you have to have that strong leadership and say, we're going to do it my way. We're going to do it my way. 
But then you get into a situation where like new people come in, they're like, oh yeah, you haven't even been here for two years. We're not even going to listen to you. Sure, yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's got to be, there's got to be a balance. You have to throw people a bone. You have to be a good manager uh, and you have to allow people to grow in their career and grow as a person and feel like they're contributing or they lose morale and they just don't want to participate. And then the game doesn't turn out as well and all of these kind of things. So as a creative director and as a manager, it's really important to kind of pay attention to, to that. And, uh, but also know when you, you're spending all day in meetings arguing about something that, you know, that you've already made a decision on that, they, you know, right. we, we, we're moving on from that or whatever, you, you know, so you can't, you have to kind of manage it. You, you have to, sometimes you have to let the people make all these choices, but sometimes you have to, you know, cut it off. Right. Do you have any like little tidbits to, to share on that? Like, have you? Sure, I mean, I, I got a million lessons or whatever, but it, there are situations sometimes when people will, uh, you know, I think that some of the best ideas come when you're open to listening. And so I think that as a manager, it really helps to listen and ask the opinions of everybody that you're working with and, uh, and take them into consideration. You don't always have to agree with them. Uh, and you aren't always going to, you aren't always going to, uh, but it is important to do that. And I can think of a million examples where I've had to do things where we had, for instance, a, um, yeah, we were talking about different ideas. What are we going to do about, uh, how are we going to notify somebody that they have a quest available, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, this was when we were de designing Diablo one, we went around and, and like Eric and I were working on different ideas and we couldn't think of the way that we could get, the artists had their own ideas and things like that. We kind of walked around and eventually we ended up, I ended up talking to uh, one of the producers at, uh, we had really only one producer who was, uh, did Matt Householder, who did a lot of not only was mainly HR uh, stuff, a lot of the hiring and whatnot, but also did production was the producer for uh, Hellfire and for the, uh, the PlayStation version of Diablo and things like that. So he did kind of outside production stuff as well as, uh, and help manage like art house things and stuff like that. If we ever use those kind of services and, uh, as well as did a bunch of the hiring and whatnot. And so he said, well, why don't you just put an exclamation point above their head? <laughs> and, you know, and so <laughs> that, uh, and, and that's where it was born, you know? And yeah. so the, uh, you know, I, I was like, wow, that's a great idea. And, uh, and every and so game ever that, uh, that it's sense. important as a manager to know when to ask and and also be open and listen to everybody because great ideas can come from anywhere yeah mm. that's good that's cool the origin of the exclamation point there. yeah that's crazy because you just like you take it for granted now like what's the origin yeah story? That, there, and, and i got copied in so many yeah. games <laughs> like literally yeah. every game every game yeah um so on on the same kind of subject, you know, when when Blizzard comes out and makes a decision, like they came out with that video before BlizzCon, that's like, you know, the for, the forges are here at Blizzard are burning hot. What what do you, can you shed some light on to like what, how many layers that has to really go through to even like make it to the public eye? Like how how much bureaucrat bureaucratic can Probably, be? I just don't know. I don't know what it's like sure. anymore. Like I mean, it's been fifteen years since yeah. I worked there, right? So the uh, I, I don't know what it's like. Sure. I can kind of imagine, but. Right. Uh, I'm sure that there were a lot of fingers in that pie before, you know, that 
first you got to have the group that's making it and coming up with it. And, you know, then you got to have the team that's, hey, these are our goals. This is what we want to do. This is, you know, how we're going to market Blizzard and things like that. You got whole teams of people just working on those kind of things all the time. So, uh, you know, the, Blizzard has a big PR department and, uh, and a big cinematics group and a big video group. And, uh, and so they're, they are constantly working on things to promote the company and make it, you know, make it exciting and appealing to the audience. So, uh, you know, I think that for sure there are a lot of people involved in those kind of decisions uh, before, you know, before all that work gets done. Right. I think that's with anything, though. It's not just those kind of like videos, but it's going to be anything else, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the the amount of scrutiny and the amount of feedback they're going to get on, let's say, a you know Diablo Four announcement or something like that is going to be way more than it has ever been, especially in light of Diablo Immortal. Right, mm -hmm. for sure. We kind of already we're, we're, uh, touched on it okay. a little bit, um, <laughs> but so. I was actually the guy at BlizzCon that kind of caused the the boo, if you will. Um, uh, were you surprised that they got booed at their own event, or? Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, but I, people have a right to voice their opinion. So, sure. uh, you know, I, I don't think that it's really bad that people were upset or whatever. I think that there are lines that you shouldn't cross like death threats and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's okay to be upset and disappointed with the, and have a negative reaction. I think that's everybody's entitled to that. Uh, so, you know, was I surprised? Yes. Uh, uh, do I think it's wrong? No, not necessarily. I think that, you know, people have the right to feel however they want. And there were a lot of disappointed fans for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of wanted to play. So there's this clip from of you back in 2012. Okay. Uh, and I played this kind of for my stream and for the podcast right after uh, BlizzCon, and <laughs> it was it's so eerie to hear it. And I'll just play it out, and you can kind of react to your own words, I guess. <laughs> All right. On one hand, I'm, I'm sad that you know that people haven't enjoyed Diablo because it, it is a love and passion. That people still have a giant love and passion for this, and they're speaking about it because they love, they have such love for it, and that makes me feel great. Uh, I'm sad because people are outraged, and you know some of the decisions that they made aren't decisions that I would make, and so there there have been uh, you know some changes in philosophy, and that's really hasn't gone over very well. It and I it's played hard. that for people, and people were like, "Was that after BlizzCon?" I'm like, no, that's after <laughs> Diablo 3. <laughs> yeah, that was after Diablo 3. That was when I was yeah. promoting, I was in Germany promoting uh, Marvel Heroes, actually. And uh, mm -hmm. it was kind of at the end of a long day. <laughs> and then, then they, I have my Hulk shirt on, you can see this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, the, uh, anyway, the, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, what do I think of Diablo 3 kind of question. So, yeah, it's, you know, I think that it's still true today is true anytime. You know, people make a big difference when you're making a product. Having different people make a product, it's going to be different than the people that made it originally, right? And that's just the way things are. And it happens all the time in the industry. You see it. You see it time and time again. Yeah. Yeah crazy uh speaking of marvel i'm gonna derail slightly from all the diablo talk you're a huge marvel fan 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Big, huge uh, Marvel fan. <laughs> how, I mean, that's why like I, one of my Marvel universe? make Marvel games. So that's, uh, you oh, know, I making know, Marvel so cool. heroes was, was a pure dream, dream of mine. Just because I love yeah. the Marvel license so much. Yep, I agree. Favorite Marvel movie? Uh, mm. Or we can even take it a step further. Favorite <laughs> Marvel character? Who's your, oh, who's you your do both. Uh, yeah. It's close. But I would say Thor Ragnarok's probably my current favorite uh, okay. uh, right. Marvel movie. And Hulk is my favorite character. Nice. Uh, awesome. uh, but, uh, you know, followed closely by Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I like those. Um, and then we have also had talks like, uh, you, you know, you said you're a huge uh, mobile game player and you yeah. play Star Wars. Um, Galaxy the name Heroes. Of the Star Wars yeah. Galaxy Heroes. So you're also a big Star Wars universe fan as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A huge yeah. Star Wars fan. In fact, Boxing Day, uh, you know, the day after Christmas, uh, traditionally uh-huh. is we we binge watch all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> sit on the so sit on the couch and watch Star Wars all day. So, that's so uh, awesome. But yeah, I've I've seen every uh, ep- episodes four, five, and six, uh, well over one hundred and fifty times each. Damn. So uh, what about one, two, and three? You didn't. Star Wars didn't... Damn. <laughs> I have all. Want to watch one, two, and three one hundred and fifty times? What's that? You didn't want to watch one, two, and three 150 times? No, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Star Wars fan, but I don't really remember those movies right. very well. Oh, those, yeah. <laughs> I had to get that chat. I think I'm that, sorry. like, you know, the Clone Wars TV show is good. It was good. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, Rebels has been pretty good. The uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the new show uh, that they're coming out yep. with on the Disney Channel. So, uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, I'm... I, you know, I love Star Wars, and maybe someday I'll make a Star Wars game. That's that'd be that'd be fun. That would be amazing. Yeah. On the subject of stars, uh, can you maybe <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about Star Blow? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not really. I, yeah, I, sure. I, I to tell, but the uh, uh, but it was basically the it was a concept that we were working on when we left uh, Blizzard North, which was Diablo in space, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, obviously, it hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, but it was uh, you know, random planets that you would visit, uh, and you had a ship that you would could modify and upgrade and take it from planet to planet, and then the planet was infested with you know you go into dungeons and areas and stuff like that so it's a little bit like diablo 2 uh but imagine you go to different planets and then you have like a base or a spaceship that you take with you to these and upgrade that as well uh and uh so that was kind of the basic concept behind it uh but uh it never never saw the light of day and we didn't work on it for too long it was sure. only you know, it's probably only about a year in development or something like that. Maybe not even that long. So was that just going to be really a cool, ARPG or was that going to be kind of in the Diablo universe? Yeah. No, it was okay. not in the Diablo universe. It had its own universe. But we just called it just like, you know, they had sure. Warcraft and then they had Starcraft. We had Diablo and yeah. Starblo. And yeah. it's the, it was just a nickname. We didn't have a name for sure. it yet. Uh, uh, mm. But you can <laughs> gather what it would be like uh, just from that kind of simple description. Sure. Uh, and it, but yeah, it was cool. ARPG. So another kind of fun question. Uh, you mentioned that Diablo or Diablo One's ending uh, was kind of the cinematic team's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you have like an original like image in your own head and your own mind's eye of what you thought that how Diablo should have ended? 
Yeah, uh, and I thought that we had talked about it, <laughs> so I was kind of surprised when I saw that. <laughs> and I didn't like it at first. I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm. I was really kind of upset about it and stuff. And and uh, but then after a little while, it started to grow on me. And now I, you know, in hindsight, it was the right call. It was, it, you know, I thought it. It turned out that it was, it was good. It was, it was, you know, I think that uh, that it's kind of a classic ending at this point so the uh you know i think that uh they made the right decision even though i wasn't in favor of it at first uh and it was not what we had talked about so i, I was quite surprised when i first saw it. and plus we was like everything was kind of coming in hot right you know we're finishing the the uh uh finishing the game my uh my wife uh was pregnant mm-hmm. with our child and nine months pregnant uh at the, at the time it was like we were trying to make it for christmas and we were crunching uh through through the thanksgiving holidays and in, in in december and all the way through and like we took a day off for christmas and then came back the next day and then uh and worked and then finished the game on and and had it you know on store shelves on December 31st. Uh, and so, and then my kid was born a couple days later. So that was, it was, was, uh, it was a really crazy time. So when this cinematic came and it wasn't what I expected, I just almost didn't have the energy to do it. And it was like, (laughs) we're out of time. I just can't even deal with this or whatever. But after, you know, after thinking about it and kind of soaking it in for a little while, I realized that it was, it was, it was cool. Did you have, can you shed any details or any light or do you even remember what you kind of had expected at the end? Like, no, I don't remember. <laughs> <Right on. laughs> That's funny. Um, so um, the, yeah, go uh, got the, the, the second Diablo expansion you had planned Diablo two expansion you had planned. Um, you had mentioned that you had a cleric as an AOE healer. Uh, what other cell se- or uh, skill sets did you envision that cleric having? Yeah, I it's had I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but it had really unusual healing mechanics for an ARPG. Someday maybe I'll mm-hmm. use it, but the uh, 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 it was uh, yeah, it was a that was one of the classes. It was kind of based on this kind of dark and light kind of cleric uh, concept, and uh, and uh, anyway, it was there was another class too. I can't remember what it is right now, but the, uh, but there were hmm. two classes that we had kind of designed for it. And, uh, as, uh, as well as other things somewhere, somewhere I still have the write up, uh, but you know, obviously I can't That's share cool. it or anything sure, sure, like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that blizzard would be upset, but yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah, there was a second expansion that we kind of, des- that I designed a lot of, but, uh, but uh, we never really went far on it. Damn, so, that have been great. What let's, um, let's spend a little time, talking about your game you're working on now oh, yeah. you have a game it lurks okay. below so sure. so tell us about it you know some of our audience may not know that you're making this so, so give us your your pitch i want to hear about it okay uh well in a nutshell uh, the game is uh, diablo meets you know terraria or starbound whatever <laughs> uh so it's one of the things is i i really love the game starbound and uh, i love minecraft and like these kind of digging crafting games or whatever, but they've always lacked the kind of depth that I wanted in a real RPG. So the the idea was, hey, we're gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a game. Uh, this was I had left Gazillion, uh, where I was doing Marvel Heroes, and uh, and I 
uh, quit <laughs> quit the company and said, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to I'm going to make games. And I wanted to make a small team and we were going to work on the kind of an indie project or whatever. And then as I got going, uh, I realized that I think that I could do this entire thing myself. So for some crazy reason, I've gone from being CEO of a company where I <laughs> barely work on games and spend all my time with investors to doing all of the work. So I've done everything in this project. I have uh, I've done all the art, all the programming, all the sound, the music. Uh, you know, design, et cetera, et cetera. I've gotten lots and lots of design feedback from the community, but it's kind of a, a 2D, 3D hybrid. The world is got made up of 3D blocks. Uh, and then uh, you have, you know, sprites, hand-drawn sprites on top of that, uh, which are just textured polygons facing the camera. And uh, and uh, so it um, it's... Uh, it's basically, it's uh, you know a little bit like it's a lot like Diablo. There's a lot of action to it. There are different character classes. Uh, there are you can play as necromancer, warrior, paladin, rogue, cleric, uh, wizard, uh, enchanter, bard, and those are the, I think the eight character classes in the game right now. And they all play very differently. They all have different skills that they get. Uh, and uh, the game is a little bit about survival and you can go and you have to like do some farming and chopping down trees and crafting stuff and you dig down into the ground and you find ore and you make new items and then you find kill monsters. The game's got tons and tons of monsters that are below the surface and uh, there's a dungeon down there and it's got bosses and you, you know, they drop all sorts of randomized loot. So they'll drop awesome. randomized weapons. They'll drop randomized crystals, which you put into your crafted armor, uh, which have lots of random stats and stuff. And the, there are a lot of stats in the game, you know, critical thing, critical hits and, you know, and uh, hit points and armor class and uh, resistances and like, you know, all sorts of stuff, uh, magic find and, you know, all, all of the kind of, all of the kind of game depth that you would get from kind of a Diablo game. So, it looks a little bit like a Terraria sure. uh, style game, uh, but it plays a lot like Diablo. It's, got, it's a high action game. Uh, it can get crazy. Cr the action gets super crazy. And uh, it has a lot of depth in a survival aspect as well as a kind of an action RPG. Sounds really awesome. And it's uh, on Steam right now in early access. I update the game very regularly. Uh, I believe that it came out in uh, early access in April. And I think I've had 115 up patches or something like that wow. to, today. Yeah, I actually, uh, so I, I, patch, I patch often. Uh, sometimes I'll even patch a couple times in a day. Uh, and uh, and then I uh, and I have a lot of feedback. I play the game on on Twitch. I watch other people play the game on Twitch. I answer questions. We got a Discord. Uh, that I'm always in talking to the people, uh, getting suggestions and feedback and finding bugs and, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm very active on the Steam forum. So even though it's early access, it is, uh, you know, I'm very doing a lot of open communication about the project and what to expect and where it's going and, and things like that. So, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I've definitely really seen cool. some. Of that. I really like the fact that you hop in other streams yeah, awesome. and, you know, people are streaming your game and you'll hop in and, and talk with them. That's, that's, really um cool i think as for the community it's like oh the guy cares about the game you know he's here getting our feedback and our opinions it's that's really cool right. yeah it's a lot of fun for me too uh it's not only 
is it great because I'm getting good feedback and I, my job if, is to make the best possible game that I can make. And so mm-hmm. the more feedback I get from the community about what they like and don't like, and I can fix the parts that they don't like, you know, that's, that's really helpful to me. So I, I think it not only just makes a better game, but it makes a great community interaction and a close community that, that makes people per, 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 personally invested in the in the product because they're giving suggestions that they actually see in the game like they'll say oh could you do this and the next day it's in the game you know and and they're like wow that's amazing that's really fun uh so that that's been a lot of what the the uh, interactions and kind of experience has been like and i've thoroughly enjoyed it this is something i kind of started with marvel heroes marvel heroes the launch of marvel heroes was very poor and the game was not that great and so one of the things we ended up doing is we allowed i said everybody in the company can chat with the people on the forums. No matter what your job is, there isn't going to be a PR department or anything like that. Be open and honest and direct with everybody. Don't be insulting. That's you awesome. know, there are privileges, yeah. but uh, you know, they, this is get in there and communicate with everybody and be straightforward. And no, and we just said, okay, we're going to do this, and then it would show up in a couple weeks, and people see this kind of going over and over again, and we end up changing our Metacritic score from. Uh, 56 <laughs> metacritic to an 82 or something like that in one year uh yeah, because of all of our interaction and working and that that kind of experience where we were working with the audience and interacting with the audience and i was on twitch playing the game all the time and things like that really got me into that and uh and i don't think i'll ever make games the same way because of that i just enjoyed that process so much yeah, I think that's the, awesome. the kind of the process of the future, which, I mean, you know, I would say Blizzard as a whole, their Metacritic score is on the low end right now. So <laughs> I feel like they could definitely benefit from that kind of business model. But do you think, like, being as involved as you are uh, with, you know, or lurks below, do you think that that could work on a big scale at all? I think it's harder. Yeah. I mean, the harder, the bigger your audience, I mean, I, I'm kind of, blessed in some ways that the audience isn't like millions and millions of people right now because <laughs> i don't think that i could yeah. i could deal with it right you know so the uh, yeah. uh uh it's great that i'm able to you know work with uh the community being the size it is with where you have you know a couple thousand people if you're going to have millions of people it, you can you'll get too many suggestions and things like that so there's got to be a yeah. little bit of a fine line that's why you end up in a situation where Blizzard does a lot of closed beta stuff or whatever because they can get uh, plenty of feedback without being overwhelmed and uh, and having you know fights all the time on the inter- on the on the forums about what's right and what's wrong and things like that. So. Right. Uh, so one question I have: Tell me about the end game yeah. a little bit on the, uh, 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 the lurks below. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. very much like uh, uh, you know Diablo. There's uh, there's a dungeon below the. Uh, you know below the surface as you dig down go further and further towards the hell and uh and you know there's end boss etc what lurks what is it it's below so figure out what it is the story isn't in the game yet but there is a there is a story uh and uh, that's that's coming soon there and not all the bosses are in uh but there are different difficulties you can do a normal difficulty or, or nightmare difficulty and there's going to be a hell difficulty nice. and uh you can the way that it works is as you're playing the game here you can um you kind of build your town 
So there's uh, different buildings that you can build. So you go and you mine up the supplies and collect the stuff or whatever, and you build a general store and you build a bank and, you know, there's a pet shop and like all sorts of things. And one of them is this wizard tower where you can buy a book and it resets the world everywhere above, you know, the, the, the world is broken up into these kind of zones and the dirt looks different in each one of the zones. And so the top top zone stays the same, but everything else gets re-randomized okay. below. So different monsters, different layouts, et cetera, cool. et cetera. All the bosses get respawned. So you can play it over and over in normal get difficulty or nightmare difficulty. And soon is there a death difficulty. penalty if you die? Is it one life or, or is it? There know, is. There is. Uh, there are several different modes in the game. You can play in survival mode, uh, which has hunger and stamina and some stuff like that, making it a more difficult game. Uh, and then you have descent mode, which gets rid of the hunger and stuff, and you can just go kill monsters. Uh, yeah. And then you can play either survival hardcore or descent hardcore. <laughs> oh man, uh, which is uh, you know you know one <laughs> one life. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then I also have a creative mode where it like basically gives you free supplies to make all of the crafting stuff, and you that's can that, just build blocks cool. and, and things like that if you want. Uh, that sounds really so, awesome. So, are you still shooting for quarter one next year? Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping, but you know that seems like that keeps slipping. Right, it <laughs> <laughs> was only going to be three to six months at the beginning, and now it's you know it's been uh, it's been in early access for about nine months now or eight months now. So, yeah. uh, but the game's gotten much bigger, and I've had, sure. made a lot of decisions to that have improved the game. So it's it's been worth it. Is there kind of like a post release? content plan yeah uh i would like to make it if it's successful enough i want to make it multiplayer uh and so that's uh that's what i'm hoping will, will be the case even if that doesn't happen if it isn't uh successful enough to do multiplayer i for sure will be adding new classes i've got like different maps and stuff that i'm gonna generate so you can randomly generated maps and stuff that have affixes and all sorts of things so the end game content i'll put in new bosses i've got seasonal events that already in the game. In fact, there's a seasonal event going on right now in the, uh, in, you know, kind of a winter event. Uh, so you can buy, you collect these snowflakes and, uh, and buy some special pets and hats and things like that that you can only get right now. Uh, so cool. some fun stuff uh, to do. So the, it, it'll still have things like that and I will be supporting it for a long time. Right on. Awesome. Well, go ahead. Do you want to go into some Twitter questions, guys? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with this section, every week we ask you, the audience, to submit some questions on t Twitter or Discord. So uh, the first question comes from Brian, and he says, how likely is co-op and it lurks below? You just answer that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I hope it's very likely that that would mean that the game's a success, right? So, the, <laughs> yeah. so uh, it's very likely, Brian, it's going to be a success. So there you go. Um, the feedback has uh, been great and very positive on the game, so I have I have you know reasonable expectations that it'll it'll generate enough revenue to you know make it so that I don't have to go get another job and be able to work <laughs> for a couple of years. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, War says, um, please ask David about tuning difficulty in regards to first impressions on the player. That's a tough question. Uh, I think that in general, uh, I am a person that believes in uh, making everything super easy at the beginning and kind of ramping up pretty sharply from there and, yep. and making it so that uh, 
you know, you feel like you can achieve something right at the very beginning uh, and then uh, advance yourself. You run into a wall where you like fail and then mm -hmm. you have to do something to succeed. So one of the things that I've got like a little bit of a test here in Illerks Below at the beginning where you have to defeat a boss really before I kind of send you down beneath the ground and, and let you go face the, the first boss. I've got like a little mini boss is a little test and it makes you go out there and I say, build a better weapon and build some armor. And, uh, and if you build some of the armor, there's a good chance that you're going to get killed by the boss. Uh, but if you build all the armor, then you can, you can notice a difference. And so I think that it's yeah. important to notice a difference in your progression. Uh, it's like, Oh, I had trouble with this, but I can overcome it if I, you know, build the armor. So doing things like that, I think is important where people feel like they can progress and you have to kind of keep that up the whole, whole game uh, where they, you get a little bit of a, of a carrot where it's, I, I'm going to, Oh, th this seems like it's really easy. And then surprise, something happens. You change the rules, something unexpected happens. And now they have a new challenge to deal with. And they, and so that constant sense of a little bit of challenge and a little bit of payoff for, for, you know, getting over that hump and then kind of going back and forth through that. So I always try and, and design something to kind of mix and match that feeling. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, Raikukan LOL says, do you think it's better to have a game that gets lots of additional content over time funded by monetization options through its life cycle, or would it be better to have a one-time cost, um, sequels, huge expansions? So I think he's asking Michael. Uh, yeah, I think that in general, uh, I, I lean towards single purchases. I think we've, as an industry, we've gotten ourselves into a bit of trouble. Everybody's trying to make games as a service right now. And mm -hmm. a lot of times when those games as a service games uh, exist, uh, unfortunately, they have to make them super grindy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the experience of being able to play through something and being done with it and moving on with your life, I think is important. And so, uh, you know, I like the box product stuff. That doesn't mean there isn't room for these kind of uh, games as a service games, but they're, uh, but they're just kind of a different style of gaming so uh if you're going to do that realize that like world of warcraft like you can get involved in that game and play it for four years and never play another game right and uh yeah. and that happened to a lot of people like i like me i didn't touch another game for four years i only played world of warcraft every day you know and that mm -hmm. and that's not really is that good is that bad i don't know uh i enjoyed my time there uh but i'm glad that i i also really enjoy kind of single off experiences now every game like where you buy a box and they've got all these kind of minor content things uh as i understand as a gamer it would be frustrating to have to buy all these add-ons to feel like you're getting the whole game the problem is is that is the cost of games the cost of manufacturing games has gone up so much in the last uh 10 years even but even before that uh compared to what it used to be and so profitability has gone down simply because it costs so much more as as a profit as a percentage basis like it used to be you could make a game with a team of 10 people or 15 people let's say 20 people on the outside and spend and do it in two years and have a hit that generates multiple revenue, you know, a, a multiplier of like four or five on your on your cost. But that isn't the case anymore. When games cost, they have 300 plus people and they cost, 
you know, several hundred million dollars to make, you better hope that you hit on that uh, and you're going to spend a couple hundred million on marketing and all of this kind of stuff. And now you've spent four hundred million dollars on making this game or more. And mm -hmm. uh, you better hope that it is a big hit. And if you don't have a big hit, that's a big loss. And so one of the things that they're doing is that they haven't they've got to find different ways to kind of recover their costs. And they tried raising game prices. Game prices have been the same for a very long time and it costs much more to make them now. And so, you know, where's the money going to come from? Because there are lots of companies that game companies that go out of business because they don't make enough money. So I don't see it changing. I think that DLC or this kind of like loot boxes or whatever, are not going away that they are working and the, the reason they're not going away is because they're working and and so you got to kind of the only way that you're going to if you don't like them don't buy them but the thing is that they, they've got to come up with other ways to generate revenue because there's it's just such a risky business at this point right mm -hmm. yep um i agree with that i flew asks he says i feel the pace of Diablo game like games is hurting the lore of the game what can be done to make it more engaging slash persistent I think he means the pace of the releases of the games is what it, it, I take that as but the pace um, the pace of release of Diablos once every think, 11 years or I'm not really sure <laughs> what we're talking about here but the, the pace yeah. the pace and the lore I mean I, are they saying that People just like rush through the game and they don't pay attention to the story. Yeah, I would say that's what it, like so like you know speed farming is like crazy, crazy fast. Does that ruin immersion? I guess maybe is that what he's saying? Could be. Oh, absolutely, it does. But you know, I think that people have been trained. It's so weird. It's so weird to me the way that gaming is right now that mm -hmm. everybody. I, like, for example, I can't even imagine being on the World of Warcraft expansion team. You just spent two years of your life making all this content, and everybody doesn't want to play any of it. They don't. They they just want to rush right yep. through the content and get to the end so that they can be at the end game. Right. Right. So yep. people don't want to make content. They don't want the content. They want the end game content. Like that is that's everything. And so yep. uh, it's kind of strange to me that people like say oh you know that they don't enjoy the content they don't enjoy what they've made they just got to rush right through it to get to what they perceive is the real content of the game right so uh it's you know i think that that is true it's, it has nothing to do with the pace it has everything to do with the pace that people consume media uh and they they go through you can slow the game down, but then you're just going to make the audience angry. Like sure. the World of Warcraft team was like, oh, it took a long time to go. It took three weeks to get through the expansion content. And I'm really upset because it took me three weeks to get to the end game. Right. You know, and so yeah. like, they don't they don't want that. People people don't want it. And so uh, I think that's kind of a strange situation we're in right now where the whole game is the actual content that you're playing, but nobody really wants to experience it. Instead, they just want to rush through it. It's very strange. I don't know how to, how to explain it or what, you know, what the solution is. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, Superman 8919 says, what do you think about an MMO Diablo? And I know we kind of talked about this too. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I think it, it depends. Uh, what people mean mostly by MMO Diablo is that they mean, uh, you know, do they mean World of Warcraft style, you know, EverQuest World of Warcraft style, or do they mean uh, like Marvel Heroes where you've got 
you know, it's an action RPG, but you've got lots and lots of people in the same world. Uh, and I think that I would lean towards that, uh, that kind of, uh, play of, of keeping it like Diablo and not like making it like world of Warcraft. I mean, world of Warcraft has been done. That game's been played and that game's been played a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there are many people that have tried to imitate it and haven't been very successful. So, uh, you know, and I think that that the idea of an MMO that's kind of grindy like that and has a long amount of content and whatever isn't as appealing to somebody as it maybe once was because a lot of people have done that and they're like, I'm not really willing to sacrifice the next five years of my life to this <laughs> game. Uh, and so uh, I think that making kind of a hybrid experience where, you're, where you have a lot more community, you have a lot of people that you can play with and friends and you get together and be online and, <laughs> and kind of experience the world together or beat bosses together. I mean, that's, that's really what uh, kind of multiplayer that I would like to see. And, uh, yep. and making that so you can do it with 10 or 20 or 50 people would be really fun. Do you do you find it weird that so like World of Warcraft obviously was this huge phenomenon and we saw MMOs coming out like almost every month for a while and now it's battle royales and we're seeing battle royales come out left and right. Do you think it's yeah. weird that Diablo never really had that like we didn't see Diablo clones like left and right? No. Yeah, I'm not really sure why, but it is true. Like, it, I mean, there are some Diablo clones, but it's not like. It's not like again. It's right. not like a battle royale game sure. or like a uh, like a, a MOBA or right. something like that, where it's mm -hmm. like everybody and their mom was making them. Uh, uh, yeah. There were twenty seven versions of it, and I'm not really sure why that is the case, but it but it is that has always been true, and uh, and I think part of it maybe is because, especially in a situation with uh, with a like a battle royale, is that it's a pretty easy game to make. Uh, you know, in terms of getting the balance right and stuff like that is very difficult. So I don't want to belittle them, sure, but sure. in terms of actual content, there isn't, you know, you're shooting some people on an Island, you know, it's not really like, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, the, the, Oh, we've got to have like 8,000, you know, different swords and bosses and like all these kind of like, you know, the, making an RPG is really, really difficult. There's just tons of items and content and stuff that you need to make story and bosses and, and monsters and like all this stuff that makes it kind of a more difficult thing to make. That doesn't really explain uh, the phenomenon of all of the MMOs that came out because those are very difficult to make too, but it does explain why the content was pretty thin on a lot of them. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's fascinating. Uh, the, I'm going to jump down a question because it's almost the same thing. Should Diablo 4, Onion asked, should Diablo 4 be an MMO? Again, yeah, I think that it, as yeah. a, a an yeah. ARPG MMO, yes. <laughs> yeah. I do. I think that would be awesome. Have you seen yeah, any of the the Lost Ark? I, I have seen a little bit of the Lost Ark footage uh, that people have, and people have been pretty excited about it. It'd be nice uh, to to have it here. Yeah, for yep. sure. I agree. Um, Tiny Pluto says, "How happy are you from the development of Diablo One to Diablo Three? Like the the cycle um, where the, I guess I think he's meaning the direction it's it's been it's gone." Uh. Well, I think that um, overall, I think that the progress is good now. Uh, you know, I think that Diablo 2 wasn't super well received when it first came out either. Uh, and after the expansion, it got much better. And then after the 110 patch, it got even better. So I think that there were some things that it took a little while for Diablo 2 to really kind of find its 
uh, find its feet. Diablo 1, uh, people, there's a lot of people that say still are big Diablo 1 fans and feel like that one's the best because that one's the creepiest, the darkest, the scariest, etc. And that that kind of feeling of the butcher, the first time you open that door and the butcher came out, like there's that feeling is almost impossible to capture. And it's almost, there's almost no games ever that have kind of been able to kind of yeah, it, you, where you experience that same kind of vibe yeah. or whatever. So, uh, Diablo two was much more lighthearted <laughs> than, than Diablo one in in terms of you know the gore and etc. Uh, but uh, you know, I think that it uh, that overall, I'm pleased with the Diablo franchise. I think that it's uh, in a good spot and uh, it's still super popular and uh, and people really enjoy the the game. And it's pretty amazing to me that uh, game has lasted as long as it has when it's only had a few versions of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, I heard you talk about it before how um, the Blizzard South uh, was a little bit their style was a little less. Um, dark and and cringy yeah absolutely um, and, and so that's kind of i think as diablos progress from one two and three it's gotten you know a little bit less for <laughs> yeah. every, every iteration um I, I personally would like to see it go a little darker um would you do you like the direction it's going or you well, think I, it's okay? I don't, yeah i think there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way that they would love to see a darker diablo uh yeah. sometime you know that 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 they would love to get back to the to the really dark and scary. And uh, yeah. I think that that is, that is a theme I hear often. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, Redpool dead says, if you could give any advice to current staff of the Diablo team, what would it be? That's such a uh, open uh, question. Good luck. Expectations are only sky high. So they, uh, you know, I yeah. think that, uh, it's, uh, I think that they've got a very difficult job and uh, I mm. wish them well. And I hope that they, uh, they do something uh, that they're happy with. Awesome. So um, one quick question. So like, you know, there's been yeah. obviously a ton of rumors about Diablo 2 remastered being a thing eventually. Right. Uh, is there anything this time around that you probably you'd like to see maybe omitted from the game? If they that's were the, not to just question. be a copy paste. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I've talked about this a bunch, but I think that in general, it's impossible to actually do a true remaster of sure. uh, Diablo 2. Right. You know, they, uh, not only does it not make sense, but uh, I think that it's just technically impossible. Uh Part of the reason is because that the screen shape was four by three, and now so many screens are 16 by nine or 16 by 10. And uh, because of that, there's a lot of extra room on the sides of the screen. And uh, so for a real remaster, you would have to have the same aspect ratio, and that doesn't work anymore. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, and that's because literally the monsters, <laughs> when there is a little a AOE uh, awareness radius around you, and when it was slightly bigger than the screen, so like skills went slightly off the edge of the screens, the awareness radius was slightly off the screen. So if you've got this extra area on both sides, you can see monsters sitting out there looking really dumb. They're not going to be moving. <laughs> yeah, just be sitting there and idle, you know. Right. Uh, uh, the uh, so, and if you wanted the true remaster, that would be the only way you could do it. Uh, so then it begs the question: Well, what do you change, and what do you don't change? Right. And then how much of a remaster really is it? Is it really the same game? And like all of these kind of things. And then are you just making kind of a weird Diablo two and a half, you know, or you know, <laughs> whatever version you want to call it, two uh, B? And uh, and so, uh, 
it's hard to tell if that is, you know, uh, what to change and et cetera, et cetera. I think that in general, it, uh, uh, you know, if I had to change things, one of the things that I would change the most would be instance gluting, uh, which mm-hmm. really didn't exist when we made it. Uh, I get rid of the stamina bar. And uh, there are, you know, a few other things like that that I think would be good quality of life kind of changes. But then is it really the same game? Sure, you know, sure. people would be really upset with the fact that it's instant loot because they like the game of stealing all the crap from their friends while they. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it, you're not going to please everybody right. uh, with a remaster. And I think that it's going to be it, difficult to capture the same spirit. Right. Yeah. Do you, would you like yep. to see the the body part crafting, you know, come back that you guys had originally in Diablo Two? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I would love that, but you know, the, it, it got it got squashed for a reason. I right. mean, they, <laughs> it was really, really gruesome. I mean, your inventory was full of eyeballs and livers. You know, it was <laughs> it was it was a bad scene in there. <laughs> for sure. Oh man. Oh, uh, that was the question we had. Uh, Koda was going to ask what quality life changes we have. So there's your answer, Koda. And then um, this next question is actually from me, and it is the age-old question on this podcast, sausage or bacon? <laughs> oh, man. That's tough. Are you talking about for breakfast or just in general? You, you just have to pick one, like sausage or bacon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, a, it's just mm-hmm. an open question, man, sausage <laughs> or bacon. I gotta go there's, bacon. There's a oh, right I answer. Go bacon. I got to go bacon. Mm. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Damn. But I love both. I mean, I, so I really much. love both. So I, it's that's a really tough choice. Yeah, yeah. His man's got taste. That's what can I say? <laughs> so it, it, I always pick bacon and fluffs the sausage, guys. Yeah. So that's bacon's great, question. but you can do so much more with sausage. Um, that's yeah, that's really that's really uh, all the questions we had. I mean, there were a couple extras, but um, if I didn't get your question, I'm sorry, guys. We had so many yeah. questions this weekend. I can't keep David here all night as much as I'd like to. <laughs> right. So, um, Graybeard Games. What's the future of Graybeard Games? Are you going to continue with It Lurks Below? Are you going yeah, to? Yeah, I mean, uh, It Lurks Below is what's currently on you know the foreseeable horizon, which is great mm-hmm. with me. I mean, it's a dream game for me. I'm having a ton of fun making it. I, you know, it's. It's funny. I can barely even like sleep. I can't wait to get up and work on it. You know, it's just like, I I just really enjoy the entire process. So, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's been such a pleasure to be able to do that. And so I would love to continue to work on it and improve it and put in multiplayer and do some stuff like that to make it bigger and better. Um, and my art's getting better. Uh, you know, so, uh, it's uh my my skills are slowly improving so maybe someday it's impressive man to do all that by yourself the sound is the most interesting thing to me because as as uh, i work in it i'm a computer geek as well so the uh, i get the coding and i can see the relations to all the art design and stuff but the sound to me is like a whole you have a whole sound studio set up there how are you yeah well and uh, you know i play a lot of instruments and uh, i've been into music since i was a little kid i i've that's so played the piano since i was six and uh and uh and i was like in marching band even through college and like you know i was Mm -hmm. i'm a big time band geek and have been for a long time so that uh the and i still play instruments and i taught myself to play 
ukulele a few years ago. I've been really into that uh, for the last awesome. five years or so. And uh, and uh, anyway, so th there's a lot of, it, it, I understand a lot about music. It was probably my second biggest passion. And uh, and so that I, um, you know, it's been a joy to be able to work on sound and music in general. I, I enjoy that entire process. That's, That's super awesome. I actually am going to be streaming your game as soon as the podcast is over. So cool. if you guys want to check it out, Thank it you. works below. Uh, I'll, I'll be streaming that. And um, where can everybody find you at? Like promote yourself, uh, your, uh, game, your Discord, anything you want to throw up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got, uh, well, It Lurks Below is on Steam. It's on sale right now in the winter sale. Uh, and uh, it's in early access. I expect it to be done with early access in the next three months or so. And, uh, and the, uh, you can find me on Twitter at David Brevik and, um, and you can email me at contact at, uh, Graybeard games. Their Graybeard games website, uh, has, uh, the original Diablo two design document, uh, <laughs> or Diablo one design document up there. Uh, awesome. As well as a link to a game jam game I made called the No No Mancer. If anybody knows what a No No Gram is, it's a, or it's a pick cross game. Uh, I made a little game jam game, so you can play that. It's free download, uh, and um, and so and then it's got a link to It Lurks Below and all the information there. Uh, and then uh, we, I have a Discord, It Lurks Below, and I will uh, I'll send out a link to that too. Later. Awesome, awesome, very cool, cool. Uh, my name is The Peachild. You can catch me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere at The Peachild. Yeah, yeah. And I'm Lord underscore Fluffy. Double those underscores on the Twitters. Thanks so much, David, for coming yeah. on and doing this. It's been my a pleasure. Thank long you so much time for having to talk to you. So awesome. So thank you again very much. Appreciate it. it was we'll fun. See, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.